Good morning, everybody. This is Phil Stevens, and we're on another episode of Iron Radio. I am a coach, a powerlifter, Highland Games athlete. I just ordered a new sheaf. Uh, mm. I needed a new bag to toss around, so I got a hold of the guys at Shameless Plug here. Uh, Black Sheaf. And uh, ordered one. So I get, like, I, I'm actually paying for it. So full price and everything. So this is, I'm not, like, sponsored in any way. Just giving a shout out. But, so. Nice. That's awesome. Uh, this is Dr. Mike T. Nelson, creator of the Flex Diet Cert and the Fizz Flex Cert. So if you want to be more robust and increase your ability to recover and just be generally much harder to kill, check out the Fizz Flex Cert. <laughs> Now open through Monday, September 12th at midnight. Just physiologicflexibility.com or drop me an email. I'm easy to find. And yeah, also associate professor of the Kerrigan Institute and just hanging out. We've got our one employee, Susie's here this weekend from Colorado, hanging out this weekend here. Fun. Yeah. Fun it's NFL opening weekend too. I'm excited. Oh, that's right. Oh. I watched the first game Thursday night a little bit just because my brother's a Bills fan, but the Rams oh, looked played? Horrible. I don't even know. The Rams versus the Bills, and it looked like a high school team versus a professional team. The Rams looked really bad. Oh, uh, really? Oh, yeah, like surprisingly bad. It looks like they were still celebrating last year's Super Bowl and, like, just forgot to practice. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, even their star players were just getting torched. Wow. About it. Yeah, so... Do you think that's because they lost so many people? Because I know they kind of set everything up for just last year, and then they figured, ah, it's a rebuild year after that. <laughs> no, I think it's more than that. Because, like okay. I said, even their players that, like, got extensions and, like, their players that are stars were, like, bad. Oh. Like, Stafford had zero time in the pocket. Oh. Their offensive crap. Jalen Ramsey, supposedly the best cornerback in the league, just got torched for, like, three touchdowns. Oh, my. And, yeah, it was bad. So, I, I think it's part of it, and you see a lot of these teams now, they're not playing their starters at all in preseason. Oh, wow, not at all. And no, like none. Ooh. And because they're trying not to get hurt, which I understand to a point, but then they yeah. step on the field for the first game. you got to coordinate all that shit. And, oh, my God, <laughs> it's just, yeah, because, I mean, everybody talks about it. It's like the difference of the level at the NFL and – college is just how speed fast it is yeah yeah and they've gotten and even compared they're like preseason games are nothing compared to a regular game and uh but it gives you a little bit of practice at least and they just looked they looked out of place and mm. supposedly i guess they didn't play any starters at all during preseason and it's you could tell so <laughs> uh but we'll see i mean the first week's always fun because everybody has high hopes like even yeah. detroit lions fans are like we're going to do it this year. <laughs> we're 0-0. We're even with everybody else. Yes. You know, so it's fun. It's a fun time of year for everybody. But uh, Just let everybody know, Jarrell's going to jump on here in a minute. He's running a little late. We're going to hit some stuff. The first thing I got is uh, apparently another, well, is is a world record in training. So it's not an official world record. But uh, powerlifter Heather Connor, who weighs 105 pounds, Deadlifted 442 in training. The current IPF record is 407.8. Mm. So she pulled a little over four pounds of body weight. And uh, she also posted videos of herself 
hitting personal records of a 336 squat. Oh, nice. And a 171-pound bench at 105. So, strong lift. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. Now now she just needs to put it together and uh, do it on a platform. But I think she initially set a record. I think she holds the record right now uh, set last year. So, basically beating her own record, breaking her own record, and, yeah, yeah, setting new... uh, Setting new milestones for other people to hit. Awesome. You had a study on some cold water immersion, I do believe. Yeah. So it's just, I don't know. I'm always still endlessly fascinated by the <laughs> fitness industry because no one can grasp the idea of concept, context of anything, and it just never seems to change. Um, so obviously I'm biased because when I put together the physiologic flexibility certification, you know, one of the pillars is temperature. So looking at heat, looking at cold. And man, I must have spent at least a year and a half trying to read every piece of research I could find on cold water immersion and sauna. Went back through all of it again. And the two things that jumped out to me that don't necessarily, there's three things uh, that jumped out at me. One, I'm not really convinced that cold water immersion changes inflammation. You can find a few studies where a few markers of inflammation do move a little bit. But in my biased opinion, if you look at all the research and most of the kind of more standardized markers of inflammation, they don't seem to move around a whole lot, right? So you'll hear people online that, oh, cold water immersion, like it totally changes inflammation. Maybe, you know, I'd, the current research we have right now, I'm not convinced. Um, the second one is that Cold water immersion is amazing for body comp, which, yeah, not really, unless you want to shiver and just do something that's completely, utterly <laughs> miserable. So at some point, yes, I think it does help. But the what you'd have to do to achieve that, it's just, oh, it's just so bad. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then the third one, which the, the bros on the Internet kind of got right, was that cold water immersion impairs uh, hypertrophy. And so I was very doubtful about that. I had read some of the research. And the short version is that that part actually appears to be true. Um, the caveat then is normally you hear, oh, it's because it's blunting inflammation too much and you need some inflammation at the muscle level uh, for hypertrophy. And it doesn't really appear to be blunting inflammation that much. Um, and even if it whacked inflammation a ton, that data is still mixed, like we've talked about NSAIDs before and, you know, different properties of them. So even if it would have to really whack out a whole bunch of inflammation, and even then I'm not convinced you'd see a big downturn. Yeah. Um, so there's a great study that popped up again everywhere. This is from the journal Physiology 2020, uh, entitled Post-Exercise Cooling Impairs Muscle Protein Synthesis Rates in Recreational Athletes. Uh, so the main author is Cass Fuchs, I think. This is from uh, Luke Van Loon's lab over in the Netherlands. Um, and their lab has done a lot of the super amazing research. Uh, one of them I talked about in the, the Flex Diet Cert uh, was where they actually radioactively labeled feed, and they gave it to cows, and then they milked the cows, and they created casein protein from the cows. It was radioactively labeled with a tracer, they had people come into the lab overnight. They gave them the protein via nasal cannula, so they jammed it down their nose, 
And then they woke him up in the morning with, I think, like four muscle biopsies. <laughs> oh. um, but what was super cool is because it was actually the technically labeled, you could figure out like how much of that 20 gram dose of protein, where did it go? Mm. And <clears throat> the synthesis on that, the main back of the envelope calculation, which does include a lot of assumptions, is about two grams of it probably ends up in muscle tissue. Um, which I thought was interesting. And if you extrapolate that out, that does kind of match what we'd expect for, for gains on that. Uh, Dr. Van Loon was saying, I think it took them three and a half or five years total to do the study. I think wow. it was just two and a half years to get the approval to do it and to figure out how to get the milk and get the cows and <laughs> all yeah. this crazy stuff. Um, so same lab did this one and. What they found was they, they took recreational athletes, so these were not like super high end athletes, which again, most of the time you're not going to see. Generally younger, you know, age 21 was on average, you know, body fat was, you know, not, not obese, but you know, what you would expect for a recreationally active population. And they found that it didn't seem to move markers of inflammation, but they did a labeling study. Um, like Stu Phillips has done a lot of these studies um, where they do a primed infusion and they can kind of then figure out like what is your rate of muscle protein synthesis. And they did a really nice study with uh, one leg was exposed. Uh, so they did exercise. <clears throat> they gave him protein. They gave him glucose. They did all the good things we want to see around exercise. And then immediately after exercise session, they took one leg which was randomly assigned, and that had the infusion. And so they did that, and they stuck it in <clears throat> 20 minutes of cold water immersion at 8 degrees centigrade. So for people in the U.S. who still haven't convinced that metric is useful, it's about 46 degrees. And because it's a tracer study, they can figure out, you know, hey, what's our change in muscle protein synthesis in both legs got exercise, but only one of the legs got uh, the cold water immersion, the other leg did not. And what they see is that the leg that did get the cold water immersion, there was indeed less muscle protein synthesis. Right? So your body, how many amino acids can you take from either the blood pool or from food primarily and stuff into the muscle tissue to make it bigger and stronger? Um, again, this was an acute study, so we don't know exactly how much this would relate chronically over time. Um, there's some other data from uh, Stu Phillips' lab showing that there is probably a correlation between that. Other people have said no, um, but acutely is probably the best marker we have so far. Um, so the people who said, hey, like all this cold water immersion done immediately after training um, can blunt some hypertrophy. In terms of an acute response, that appears to be correct. And there are some other studies that were not quite this invasive, but um, have shown changes <clears throat> in hypertrophy with cold water immersion done over time. The hard part is that I spend forever trying to figure out, like, okay, what does that mean, like, in English? Mm -hmm. So if I want to maximize <clears throat> my hypertrophy, I'm a natural athlete, and let's say my maximal rate of gains will be way high on the spectrum is one pound per month, which is probably exceedingly high. Mm -hmm. Does that compromise half of that, 30%? Like what, 
you know, how much of it is really costing me. The bugger is I couldn't figure it out because some of the studies did a biopsy and then they looked at fiber size hypertrophy, so cross-sectional area. Some of the other ones used DEXA, but the study was relatively short. Uh, even DEXA does have a fair amount of variability in it. So I couldn't really figure out from even some of the chronic studies, like how much it's costing you. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other takeaway, too, is that people are like, oh, well, if we just wait two hours, then it's okay. Well, the two hours, as far as I can find, was just complete speculation, <laughs> which is fine in lieu of no data because we don't have any data in that area. But that's sort of become like, oh, yeah, then it's fine. It's like, well, that's our best guess right now. Yeah. And the other part that everybody seems to forget is, I don't know of anyone doing 20 minutes in 46 degree water immediately after they're done training. Yeah. Uh, some of the other studies were 10 minutes, but it seems like the cutoff is at least 10 minutes at 50 degrees Fahrenheit or below. And some people are probably doing that, but I would say most people are probably not. So yeah, if you're really doing cold water immersion, it's cold and then you're doing it right after. Yeah. I think you, you might have an effect if you're, all out trying to gain as much hypertrophy as you possibly can, then, yeah, no, I wouldn't recommend that you you do it. You know, probably wait, do it in the morning, do it another time if you want to do it. Um, however, it seems like a lot of people are saying that, oh, this is the thing that's going to destroy all my gains now. It's like, bro, you probably just need to train more and eat more yeah. protein. And if you get into cold water for a few minutes, like I, right now, I probably wouldn't sweat it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it seems like another one of those things where they're, it's the 1% thing. Oh, yeah. Like, it'll change at 1% and everybody's going to focus. Like, we see that all the time. Like, they focus on this thing that'll make a 1% change instead of focusing on the thing that'll make 90% of the change, which is train hard and eat more, rest a lot. Yeah. (laughs) We have tons of data showing that sleep will have a pretty big effect upon it. Yeah. Um, But, yeah. That's the first yeah. thing everybody fucking doesn't look at, though. Like, I don't have time to sleep. Rest when I'm dead. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, welcome to the show, Drill. Welcome. Oh. Yeah. I had to stop by the meet for a second. And gotcha. Yeah, we're just chatting uh, about cold water immersion and a new, uh, a new potential deadlift world record that was done in training, but um, I got one that I'm glad you popped on here because I'm sure you've seen this. A, a listener hit me up with the link to this, and I'd seen it before, and they asked me if it'd be a good topic for the show, and I immediately just got pissed off and said, "No, it's stupid. I fucking talked about that before, but we're gonna go ahead and do it." Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Robert Oberst was on. Uh, Joe Rogan, I don't know, a year ago or whatever. And they start talking about deadlift, and Robert Oberst says that unless you're training to be good at deadlift, meaning like powerlifter or strongman, then there's no reason at all anybody should ever deadlift. He says you walk into a professional athlete, athletics, college athletics, or anybody training to be good at sport, and they do power cleans and hang cleans instead and it seems that he's saying it's because they're inherently safer than deadlifts uh 
I don't know. My thoughts on this are just I immediately go to what I've seen at colleges and high schools and athletic institutions in what they call a power clean and hand clean. And, you know, it is by far butchered much worse than any deadlift. And I also fall back like, okay, deadlifts are unsafe. So we're going to have kids do cleans and power cleans, which when you break it down, yes, there are differences, but essentially it is a deadlift that you then throw and catch. (laughs) So, and that's without it being butchered, you know, with the way they do it. You know, you see these kids catch it in this wide stance and uh, everything else. Um, Yeah, I just call complete bullshit on that. Um, Now, I can understand to a point, like, where I – and this is what I told him. I said I could understand putting a limit on deadlift, like, as far as the max load. Like, I don't know, just pull an arbitrary number out of my ass. Like, there's no reason that any NFL athlete needs to train to deadlift more than 500 pounds. Because anywhere past that, the gain, the risk versus reward is – it starts being more risky. It's like they don't – that's not their sport. But, you know, if they just did that quickly, all right, well, there we go. Um, I can't see that being less dangerous. I mean, you would have a hard time convincing me that, like, clean power cleaning 315 is less dangerous than a professional athlete picking up 500 pounds. I mean, it's just – it's just trash to me. And that's not me saying I wonder some believe that – like all my athletes that are going to go to collegiate athletics, I teach them how to do cleans correctly because I know they are going to be asked to do that a lot in a college athletic program, and they're likely not going to get coaching in it. They're just going to be told to do it. So I try and get them at least the vocabulary and the ability to do one efficiently. Uh, and I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, like I'm familiar with that episode, and that that's the thing he cites is like you don't see it in college weight rooms, and like the reason you don't like the reason you don't is because it's it's so inherently dangerous. But part of me is like this with college weight rooms is like uh, they they find the most inherently stupid way to do everything. <laughs> like uh, I forget, maybe it was I forget how many years ago it was. It was two or three years ago. And when I want to say dude like Syracuse or Clemson, the dude's benching like, I think it's six something, maybe it's like a six something board press or something like that. And the whole gym is surrounding him, like gassing, you know, gassing him up and all that stuff, you know, and it is like the worst bench press for him, you know, bouncing off the chest sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, so is that make bench press deadlift? And part of me is like, if you have everyone surrounded, it means you're coaching it this way too. Mm-hmm. Instead of like how you coach it. Like there are good weightlifting programs in college you know, yeah. sports where they coach it that way. Like they coach it well. And like there's a, a discipline and a system to it where, you know, the new guys have to learn and they don't just get to throw weights around mm-hmm. and have to develop. And then, there's good powerlifting style strength and conditioning coaches who will use some sort of deadlift stuff. But I think the problem is not even any of the movements. It's just like all the 
energy and like gas and hype, like hyping them up for the lifts kind of thing that happens. Yeah. And it's like that part I think is actually Arkansas football, uh, couple of years ago, they took all of the equipment out to the field and they had some sort of thing. And they did like max effort Bulgarian split squats with the bar on their back. So, <laughs> yeah. What could go and there's on? like yeah, there's a video of that. Like that is far worse yeah. to me than just like a, a deadlift or especially if you teach it right. Like if you yeah. teach it well, that's the centerpiece. Like you have to teach it well. If you have a good system, you teach it well, and you don't let people just max out every time they hit the gym, yeah. you'll probably be fine. Like, it, it, it's the movement itself is not the problem. It's just like all of the, you know, college athletic, well, I didn't even say college athletics, is mm-hmm. it's probably pretty central to college football, like football team, football yeah. training conditioning. So, yeah, and there, yeah, you see a lot of, the, like you said, you see a lot of the, Emphasis on, well, oddly enough, you see it in a lot of bad teams. Like, we got a 700-pound squatter. Yeah, but he can't play for shit. Yeah. <laughs> who cares? It's on the bench. Like, like yeah, who, who who cares at the end of the day? And, like, I, I agree 100%. I mean, any movement done poorly can be inherently very dangerous. I would just say that out of all the moves I've seen, like cleans and power cleans and hang cleans are right up there with the most abused and not taught. I mean, yeah, you got kids doing them, but holy shit, what are they doing? Um, like that's the first thing I shut down. And when I get kids from, from programs that come in, it's like, okay, show me your cleans. Cause coach has us do cleans all the time. It's like, holy, and you're alive <laughs> still. Um, let's fix that. Holy shit. Let's just, that's, I had one kid that came here and I trained him all summer and he was a football player at a, School I won't mention, and he trained with me, and we learned how to snatch and clean and jerk all summer long. He went back, and coach said, "Okay, we're going to do cleans." So he started doing cleans, and he was doing a regular clean where you squat into it. But some people call them squat cleans, whatever. Um, and coach got pissed and said, "Quit doing that CrossFit shit. We do real cleans here." And <laughs> wanted him to go back to the way that they teach them where you kind of throw the bar up and go into a super wide stance to kind of catch it. And oh, it's like, wow. oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah. like, okay, well, I mean, do what Coach says, I guess. But uh. I mean, I would say there's an there's a increased danger with weightlifting stuff because you're risking smaller joints. Like, the wrist and elbows are yes. at risk. Yeah. Yeah, like, are, are at risk in a weightlifting stuff whereas with the deadlift you only have i mean essentially they're they're implying that the lower back is like gonna crumble yes you know and so with weightlifting though there's a lot more moving parts but you have those small especially your wrist and if you see like even saquon barkley whose clean was pretty good for a you know college football player when he did 405 mm-hmm like you look at his elbows and like wrists, and it's like, dude, this is not. I yeah. hope he stops doing this movement yeah. and like does some other stuff. Now, you know, when they go to the pros, they start doing really dumb stuff, which is like always the like <laughs> band pushups or something. But yeah, yeah, it, it, it's just how you teach it. Like if you're gonna teach it well, 
great. Like, it'll be fine. Yes. But if you're not going to teach it at all, it's good. Like, I almost said there could be a good CrossFit program, but no, no, there, no there can't. There can't be. You know, I mean, it's the same thing, though. I would argue, like, why do you need to, if you're an athlete, if you're an NFL player or an NBA player or whatever, Major League Baseball, like, why do you need to clean 405? Like, yeah. that's probably above the ability you'll ever fucking need. You know? <laughs> I mean, even if you're a goddamn, you know, lineman, I mean, there's there's a limit, you know, to potential give back, you know, benefit to same thing with all the moves. Like, I don't think any, like, does an NFL lineman need to squat more than 500 pounds? Probably not. Let's just do more of them. You know? Yeah. Let's and at what speed, too. Yeah. I mean, and at some point, these slow grinding reps. I mean, Kyle Dietz has talked about this. Tons of other coaches have talked about it. It's just, at some point, it's just not going to transfer to yeah. the field of play. Yes. I mean, I can see that in myself. Like when I, I'm getting back into Highland Games and I am arguably stronger than ever, but my throws are way down because I haven't trained speed at all. You know, I can, yeah, I can squat 780 now, but my hammers are 25 feet behind where they were when I was squatting 550. It's just a different animal, man. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I don't know how you teach it either because, like, I don't know how you would convince, you know, teenagers. And that's just teenage bros is like my worst group <laughs> connected with the least. You know what I mean? Like, where I'm like, no, we're not maxing. I just need to feel the weight. Like, I don't know how many times I hear that. Yeah. It's like, dude, you're, the way, like, the way you're moving is horrible. So. It's yeah. like, no, nah, no, nah, I feel good. I feel good. I'll, it's like, I feel good. I feel good. I'm injured. And it's like, I'm spending yeah. time doing this. And it, it starts young, too. I got some little 10-year-olds in here who have the same vibe. I'm like, where did you get this? Yeah. Like, where did this come from? And I don't know how you would do it, if you're, especially if you're trying to recruit. Like People are like, oh, man, this is the intensity I want to be at. Mm-hmm. And it's like, really... You know, hopefully you have a good program. It's like, yeah, we want that intensity, but on the field, we don't want that intensity in the weight room. Yeah. And then surrounding you with the whole team shouting at you to do the most dangerous thing we've ever seen in our life. Like (laughs) (laughs) celebrating it. Yeah. Yeah. And like where you're usually they use straps too on power cleans, which is. Yeah. That's what I was going to say, which is even more. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, the final thing, it, the thing that bugs me is too, is we always, I've heard this argument numerous times from strength coaches is, well, I've got 30 kids. How am I going to teach them how to do it right? It's your fucking job. That's literally (laughs) your fucking job. You know, you're being lazy. Like if I can have 37 special Olympians come in my gym and teach them how to fucking do a squat and a deadlift right, you can do it with these kids. You know, it's literally your job. Take the time, take the few months, whatever it takes. Some of them are going to learn faster. Some of them are going to learn slower. But you got to be able to do this before you get to move to the big boy weights. Yeah. You know, you just got to do it right. And holy shit, you have a staff. You have a whole staff of people. Give one of the interns. Like, you're working with George. He can't squat. Let's get him right. Um. Yeah. And the bad thing is I wish it'll never happen. But, like, if this started at junior high across the country, 
you know, for anybody that wants to be in athletics, like just teach them then. Like the whole goal of junior high is we're going to learn how to do things correctly. And then come high school, we can start pushing you a little bit. Come college, you're an expert in it. You know, you have now we can just push you, but you're doing it at least safely. Um, but no, it's uh, it starts. That's the problem. It starts on at an early age. It's all about that agility, who, baby, and, and the record board. <laughs> now, how many high school stupid ass record boards have you seen where it's like, oh, we got a five hundred pound squatter? Yeah, he went four inches and stood up, and you had him in a squat <laughs> by stance, and it doesn't count. <laughs> like it's not a squat, but you're champion that shit, and you know it just starts young, and I blame it on the. It's not the kids' fault. It's the atmosphere no. they were born into. It's these coaches that want to have a, a record board. And it doesn't matter what it looks like. But, yeah. Yeah, I would, ne- like, I would never, you know, agree with that with, like, overs or whatever. Yeah. In the sense of, like, it's the deadlift's fault. It's, like, it's the culture's fault. Like, whatever yeah. culture that you are brought into. And it's, like, if they only focus on the deadlift. You know, actually, you know, I heard, uh, there's Louis Simmons actually who, there's an interview he was doing and he was like, our NFL guys, we know that the deadlift is the, is like the key to their performance. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like I would trust that far more than just saying like, oh yeah, the deadlift is bad. Yes. And like if, and Louis has a, the, Biggest arsenal of goofy movements on the entire planet, <laughs> and, and, I, and he said for how or for uh, football, we know that the deadlift is like the key. So there's some, there's something to that too. So you gotta like kind of take that into. I mean, it makes sense for in a large part, especially for your interior alignment and stuff. I mean, it's a very big, yeah. explosive hip extension. You need to be fucking strong. You're facing another dude that's 350 pounds. Um, you know, your back and those hamstrings and everything else need to hold ground. If they don't, you're on your ass and you're getting pancaked. So, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I put that interview and what he said in the same aspect of the same chapter as when Boyle came out and said that nobody ever needs the back squat. Oh yeah. Everybody should just do front squat. It's just trying to get attention and it's, Utter bullshit. <laughs> You're just trying to get shock value, in my opinion. Now, I do the, – the thing, if he said, like, no athlete needs to train to hit the numbers that a strong man or powerlifter does, 100% true. Like, there's no need for anybody in the NFL to deadlift 900 pounds. It's not – at that point – you know, you're well past the threshold that it's going to be beneficial to the field, and you're probably – edging into is probably hurting your on-field performance. Because um, that's just like when I took it, like I used to be able to do full splits and I was very mobile and I purposely ruined that to be a good power lifter. Is that going to help me be an athlete? No, yeah. but it helps me be a power lifter. And that's what I was trying to do. And, you know, that's just like my athletes. If I get an athlete that's not a power lifter, I'm going to make you squat to the deepest depth you can do safely. If you're a power lifter, I'm going to teach you to cut it off a of parallel because we're working in a confined set of rules. And it's, 
it's wasted movement to go six inches below parallel. Can you do it? Yeah, and you'll get white lights all the time, but you're sacrificing your total. You know, it just depends on the athlete and what we're trying to do. I mean, I think I put this chart in. uh, I was just looking for it, but I put the chart in in one of my strength field little ebooks I used to give out with what what were standards, but Bondercheck with the throwing, like he had a, a set number for like squat, power clean, vertical jump. And it's like you train to that first and then you started, you know, doing specific mm-hmm. stuff for throwing. Um and the number was always like in the like for squat is like in the fives and then yeah. clean was like in the three, you know. And I think they did full cleans as far as I, cause they kind of trained, they had like a GPP group or used to, where it's like everyone kind of trained, all the younger athletes used to train kind of in the same style mm-hmm. at the sports school. And then they broke off into their individual sports, but he had a spot for it. It was always like in the fives for the heavy throwers. Yeah. And then like javelin was like in the high fours or something like that. You know, mostly because they're just lighter, I think. Yeah. But it's like, yeah. And then, and then you go into like this specialized exercises and maintain that strength. Yes. Which and makes like, perfect sense. Yeah. That, <laughs> you know? That's like, you know, and I don't hear anybody, I don't hear too many people like even reference that anymore and, or stuff like that anymore where it's like, at what point do we switch? And I think it's just, a thing where people get so attached to what gets them there that yeah. they can't let it go. And they're like, yeah, going from a 300 pound squat to a 500 pound squat, just exponentially improve my performance. Yeah. But going from 500 to 700 is like, you're going to go the opposite direction. Yes. Number one. And number two, what you have to give to get it is just, it's going to be too expensive. Yes. The time, the energy, the potential injury. And that's what I don't get. I mean, at this point, all major league sports, let's say it's just the big three in America, basketball, baseball, football. Like at this point, they've been around for decades. It would not be that hard for some statistician to sit down and let's look at all the defensive tackles across history, the good ones. We'll throw out the outliers, the freaks, the Aaron Donalds and the Chris Joneses. They don't get a compete. And the guys that really sucked, we're going to throw them out. Now, let's find an average. Like, oh, across the board, they could all squat 500. There's our baseline. There's what we need to get to. They could bench 365. They could clean this much. I mean, from there, it's probably, you know, we don't need more. (laughs) If that's what's been successful, and, you know, if you want to work off the level I do, like when I was training people for CrossFit, games and crap like that, we looked at the top 20 competitors. We averaged up their main lifts. Because usually when I walked into any CrossFit across the country, the biggest difference between the athletes that were in there and the athletes that were in the games is they're weaker. It wasn't their motor. It wasn't their endurance. It was their strength. So we find that baseline because I know that, like, I can make somebody go from running a mile to running five miles pretty quickly. I can't take somebody from squatting 225 to squatting 500 in the same amount of time. Yeah. That, that strength thing takes longer. So we would attack the basic strength first. 
let's hit these markers. And I usually went like, okay, let's go 5% above that. We're, if you, you can be 5% above everybody else that's in the top 20. I know you're good. And then we maintain that and work on your athletic shit. It's like you've got the base strength. Now let's just make you good. You know? Let's attack that thing that takes the longest. Get it done. Make, now, Okay, now we don't have to worry about that at all. We can maintain it. If it drops off, okay, we'll spend a month getting it back up. Whatever. Um, there's, there's got to be. It, it's doable if people just did it. So, yeah. Anyway. Um, but I think it, it's exactly everything you guys said. It's what is the goal, right? And I yeah. understand that if you're a collegiate coach, like sadly, although from what I've seen, it's gotten infinitely better the last five, ten years. It's easy to show gym improvement lifts and be like, hey, I'm doing my job. Look, I got these people from this level to that level. And, yeah, if you're squatting 95 pounds, you're going to get crushed. You need to get stronger. <laughs> yeah. But at some point, if even 315, 405, if it's a grinder and you can do less weight and move it faster, like what do you think is going to transfer to a better athlete? But I think – Part of it is it's harder. That's a little bit more of a complex story to explain. It's easier just to show a number. Oh, we added 100 pounds to their bench or their squat mm-hmm. or whatever, and then they're like, "Well, oh, but they're not playing as well. What's wrong? <laughs> they need to get stronger." Like, well, yeah, God, yeah. It's not a linear progression, and I yes. think people just think if if you got stronger, it'll solve all your ills. It's like, mm. no, it does to a point, and yes. then it doesn't. <laughs> yes. With your ultra-weak athletes, if somebody is glaringly weak, that's just like I've talked about numerous times on the show. I had that baseball player that came in, and he could squat the 15-pound bar, barely. Yeah. And then I made him squat like 185, and guess what? He was a lot faster. It's because yeah, he was figure. fucking weak as shit. Yeah. So that's why. <laughs> um, now, if I took him from 185 to 225, am I going to get that big jump again? No. He was just oh. glaringly weak. You know? Yeah. So, of course, that helped his running time. Um. If I made him squat 500, is he going to be faster? No, he'll probably be slower. Because yeah. he's pulling all those fucking quads and glutes and hams and, you know, whatever. He doesn't need that. So it's keep the goal the goal, you know. Yeah. and But like I said, I think the problem really lies in – I can't blame it on the athletes. I blame it on what they were taught from an early age. And there's this emphasis in the weight room. From day one, fucking max out all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And that's where the problem lies. But, yeah. My last point is I think that gets compounded when you're younger and you're learning stuff and you're a little bit more resilient. You can kind of get away with doing the more max more often because it's just not having the same amount of, of cost per se. But the hard part is, like you said, you you build in that mentality, and that's much harder to shift later instead yes. of having some temperance with it when they start out. Well, yeah, it's boring as shit. Like, you yeah. go in and, <laughs> well, I already got my max squat. I don't need to go any higher, so I guess I'm just going to do some sets and reps. Yeah, whatever. But at this stage, yeah. like, you're a fucking professional. It's like eating your breakfast. Just yep. do your shit. <laughs> and then go have fun with other things. You know, expend your energy out there on the field. Get better at that. Uh, like, that's literally your job. So, this is just, 
like eating your meat and potatoes. Your ice cream's out there on the field. So, yeah. yeah. Even the movement coaching, at least in the NFL I've seen, is, is, has gotten better, I think, a little bit over the years. But if I go back even 10 years to certain <clears throat> clinics that were taught by said pro NFL movement specialist, it was horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You know, again, shout out to my buddy, Sean Mishka, Lauren Landau, a couple other people. You know, there's people doing it really, really well, and it makes a huge impact, too. But, again, that's a more complicated story. Like, how do you explain that to someone else of movement efficiency and, you know, joint angles and shin angles versus, oh, I just added 100 pounds or squat. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Okay, keep your job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, and it's. But I don't think any of us is saying that, you know, be weak because there is no like it's proven that strong athletes are harder to break on the field. To a point, like we don't want the strength part breaking you. And that's what happens when you start going higher. Like, uh, like it was super easy to me to get to a certain level on squat and depth. And then I had to hurt myself to get past that. You know, we don't want that for an athlete. Um, I don't know. Hey, the only other thing I see in the news is Rogue, the Rogue Invitational Strongman Competition. They have announced they're doing a the second edition of it, and they announced their field. Um, that's going to be October 28th to the 30th, so it'll be while I'm at Swiss. Uh, well, that's pretty soon. Yeah, it's coming right up, and it's going to be in Austin, Texas, so you might be down by it. Oh, shit. What are the dates again, you said? August, October 28th through 30th. Oh, we'll be in Sao Padre then. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll just missed it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, and uh, they got Martin Lissis, who won 2019 Strongest Man. I had a bunch of names I can't pronounce. Oleski Novikov, Rob Kearney, Maxim Baradolt, Trey Mitchell, Bobby Thompson, Mitchell Hooper, Evan Singleton, Pavlov Nakachenev, and Kevin Ferris, I guess uh, people that declined the invitation were Luke Stoltman and Brian Shaw. Hmm. Uh, both declined. And Tom Stoltzman, I guess. Um, but yeah, so that'll be interesting. It's gonna, it's coming up and see how that goes. I don't know, it's interesting seeing all these with the Shaw's thing coming out and Rogue and things like that. I'm just wondering if this isn't a backlash about how many people got pissed off at the Arnold shutting down for a while. You know, oh, and they're just yeah. starting their own thing. Uh, you know, that Arnold, that thing didn't do itself any favors the way they handled it. But And that's when all this stuff started popping up. It'll be interesting seeing the Arnold this year because it was drastically smaller last year. Mm. So um, it's going to be interesting seeing the bounce back. Because I forgot how many booths. that There were hundreds of booths that didn't get sold Oof. at the Expo last year. And there were weird ones. Like, you could tell they were going Scrape locally. Scraping the barrel. <laughs> yeah, like they were going locally and finding people to put up booths. It was like, Tom's gutter cleaning. And <laughs> so I was like, what the fuck are they doing here? <laughs> so, but, yeah, I mean, other than that, I don't know. I got nothing going on. I'm getting ready for the Swiss, things like that, in full swing. Getting everybody ready to roll down there. Yeah, we headed over to the meet here, like, again. Mm-hmm. Strongman meet? 
No, so this weekend is weightlifting. Oh. Kansas State Championships. There you go. How many lifters Next you got? Next weekend is, uh, I want to say 10. I think I got 10 lifters today. You got to bring home some, some medals, bro. It's all that matters. <laughs> medals and PRs, baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We we kind of just trained through the state championships, so we did like a. I mean, we took it easy yesterday, but other than that, we've trained normal this week. So you we don't like the, deload for the state championship. Oh come on, man! That's all that matters nowadays. <laughs> state state championships and like uh, county championships, like a Shawnee County. <laughs> It's, those are the things that matter, bro. That's IG points there. Yeah, you get on can that. just start your own federation and have three competitors, and you're automatically guaranteed to place. Hell yes. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love getting first place and when I'm the only one there. <laughs> I got first and last today. Cool, yep. bro. Badass. <laughs> I, like, I like when you sign up because you know you got to pay extra for each thing you sign up for, but oh, you sign God. up for, like, every single one. Oh. And you're the only one in every single category. Yeah. You, you come take, home with like eight medals. It looks like yep. <laughs> it cost you six hundred dollars to win fourteen dollars in plastic medals. Oh, <laughs> amazing! So, but, yeah. <sighs> I guess we can call it a day. I don't think we have anything else. Things good info for people. So, yeah, we will see y'all next week on another action-packed episode. See ya.